All right, welcome to the Fantasy Finish Line podcast, episode 13. Not so good, Nathan. Welcome out there. I'm I'm really enjoying this beer right now, so I'm just gonna I'm sip on it for a second on this wonderful Tuesday evening. You're enjoying that beer, huh? What what beer might you be drinking there, Dave? Mm. I uh, I believe it's an Adam Smasher from Two Brothers. Ah, yes. So on the podcast tonight, we have uh, myself, David Biggs, Jason Evans, uh, sitting uh, the other side of me. We're we're from Drink5.com, as well as a normal contributor, Jim Hutchins, who's here, who's our waiver wire expert. So Jim, say hi to the people. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us, Jim. And uh, we also have uh, some people in the studio, two people who uh, who are sitting on the, the couch over to our left or right, depending on where you're sitting. Um, and they are also contributors to Drink Five, Stephanie and Jessica, who handle the social media, which I think they're doing right now, which is fantastic. <laughs> That's great. Hey. And we're going to play a, uh, a little drinking game during the show as well. So anytime, we half of the Drink Five Fantasy Football League represented in this room. That's right. We studio. Could, <laughs> correction. Studio. It is a studio. We could try to put all of the Drink Five staff in here, but it wouldn't be comfortable. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so we're going to play a little game. It'll be fun. Uh, it's uh, somewhat of a of a drinking game, and the idea is that um, anytime anyone says football, everyone has to drink a little bit. Okay. You guys got that? Excellent. I'll so, start off football. Oh, boy. <laughs> and here we are. Mm. So, for those of you uh, new to the to the broadcast, feel free to join us in the chat room. If you're listening on Mixer, you can access that right on the front page and ask us any lineup questions you might have, etc. Uh, if this is after the show, then you're more than welcome to, uh, to go ahead and email Dave at Drink5 or Jason at Drink5 or ask us your questions on Facebook or Twitter, and you can find those easily. Just search for Drink5, one word, um, and you'll be able to pull us up. So let's go ahead and start with uh, what we're drinking. I'm drinking Adam Smasher right now. We have a couple of bombers here, and what are you guys drinking right now? Are we all in Two Brothers tip? So yeah, the Adam Smasher is from Two Brothers, and of course it's named after the Adam Smasher that is right next to their brewery. Literal Adam Smasher, that's fun. Fermilab? That's right. Um, no, it's not Fermilab. Fermilab is, I thought, farther south. It is... There are two giant particle accelerators in the in the Chicago suburbs. Okay. I forget which one it is. Maybe it is Fermilab. It's not CERN. It's no. not CERN as in uh, Europe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting a little too scientific for our own good here. Anyways, but... I've got the Wobble IPA. And Jim, which one are you drinking? I have an Adam Smasher as well. All right. That, that is one of my favorite uh, Oktoberfests. Now, do you drink Adam Smasher while you watch football, Jim? Uh, I've been drinking pinball lately. Oh, I'm no. That's the magic word. Ooh. There's another, uh, there's another pinball. There's a new pinball out. It's like a fruity or a citrus pinball. It's by Two Brothers. Yes, yes, same same brewery. Well, delicious brewery out of Warrenville, Illinois, that has caught on recently, and I think now they're nationwide. Um, remember, guys, there's a little PSA for everyone. There's three Thursday games this week, so it's not just the one. A lot of times people just, just scan their lineup and see if they have a Thursday game. If they don't, they go on with their life. Well, it's not going to work that way probably this week. It is Thanksgiving, and you still have to set your lineups, uh, make your pickups, and make sure that everyone's in the right positions and everyone's uh, later uh, playing games is in the flex, etc. Yeah. Have, have you guys ever screwed up and put uh, put someone in the wrong position or, or played someone in uh, a position that should have been a flex? Sure, and I see people do it every year yeah. in my leagues. And whenever I see my opponent do it, I always hope for those late week injuries and to for, really screw them over. For those of you who aren't familiar, then what? Why is it that you want to put uh, certain guys in the flex position each week? Um, well, basically, what you're looking to do is uh, assure yourself the maximum number of uh, flexibility for your flex position, um, so that you start your guy on Thursday in case the guy that you were going to start goes out, right? In case he's injured. Um, unexpectedly, then you can start any position that fits in the flex, not just a running back yeah. or a wide receiver. Yeah, sure. And then if your flex if your flex position isn't flexible, then that's just terrible, right? It's like it's a, not much of a flex position. It's like a one size fits all that doesn't fit. It's just it's kind of bogus. <laughs> just one size. Uh, 
Let's uh, get some background information on on Jim, if you guys don't mind. So, uh, so Jim, how long have you been playing fantasy football for? Uh, I've been playing fantasy for eleven years now. Um, what was your first fantasy team? Do you, can you recall that? I'm still in that league actually with some old coworkers. Haven't worked at that company in about six years, but we stick around, see them at least once a year for the draft. Right. Um, so, been doing it for a while. So, are you? How many times have you won that league? <laughs> I've won that. I won that league last year. That was the first time winning. Nice. And uh, have you had a lot of trophies, uh, first or second place trophies, uh, in the history of playing fantasy? Yeah, at least I think I've taken down at least six championships. I think he's got one at home right now. Yeah, one of the ones yeah. that, that we're in. You, the you own. Yeah. Congratulations. It's got Jessica's name on it, but nobody else is in this room. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Jason and myself, uh, probably almost as long, but I think you take the trophy there on the on the on the titles. Sure, I mean, let's see. I started up. No, I mean on how long he's played it. On how long I started in fantasy baseball. Okay. So I started That's fantasy rough. baseball like '06 or so. Um, but yeah, I started playing fantasy football a couple years later. Baseball is very time consuming. It I did is. That one it really year. is. When I switched over to fantasy football, and we owe several drinks at this point, guys. Um, <laughs> it really, up, yeah. it really kind of blew my mind at how easy, how much easier it was, just based on the time requirements. Of course, lots of research is involved and everything like that. But you really, you know, if you don't have to set a lineup every single day, then you're in much better shape, in my opinion. Okay, uh, why don't we go ahead and wrap up week 11 by talking about some of the things that we've learned, um, and I want to start that off with a, a column that Jason here writes called Statistically Insignificant, um, and it, it is a little NFL-centric as opposed to fantasy-centric, but he tries to skew it towards the fantasy, and the information is, I think, uh, valuable just because I like following trends and things like that, and something that Jim didn't tell you is that Jim has a background in actuarial uh, science. So he is, uh, he's a mathematics guy, and I have some questions for you later about trends and, and how valid those kinds of things are. So please uh, feel free to, to chip in any time with, with that kind of info. That's what everyone's looking for. But Jason, uh, tell us about some of the crazy things that happened this past week. Okay, so um, crazy, you're kind of setting me up for you know mediocrity here. <laughs> I, these are statistics, Dave. They're not, they're not necessarily crazy. It's all in the inflection. You can't have craziness every week. It's only... You know, it, it's still the regular season. So, um, there were 31 interceptions this week. Uh, I don't know how many happened on Monday night. I write my column on Monday afternoon. Um, so, I don't usually include the Monday night game involved in the numbers. Just a warning. Uh, so, we had 39 touchdowns and 31 interceptions. The, the touchdown to interception ratio is all off this week. So, we've seen in the past few weeks, you know, we started the season, it was very sloppy. But just a couple weeks ago, they had a 3-to-1 ratio, which is really good. You know, that's what you want from a good quarterback. And the whole league was had good quarterback play of the week. So anyways, led by Nathan Peterman, uh, who threw five interceptions in just one half of football. Um, there was 31 picks this week. Uh, interestingly enough, in the Kansas City-New York game, there were two picks thrown. None of them, neither of them were thrown by the quarterbacks. Shane Vereen and Travis Kelsey both threw interceptions on that. Like, Travis Kelsey, like, dropped back and threw a bomb. And it was just, like, it was never going to work. It was just a bad idea. So, there was five quarterbacks responsible for at least four turnovers. Um, you know, Nathan Peterman is one, and I don't have any idea how, and I'm sure that we'll get into it more later about the Bills, but I have no idea why Tyrod Taylor isn't hasn't been named the starter again yet. So, Taylor only has three interceptions all year. And he played on, you know, he played the second half last week. Um, and, you know, then you got Nathan Peterman, who has five and just one half. So uh, we'll see what happens there with the Bills. They are five and five. They're not out of the – they're still in a wild card spot. And that quarterback change made no sense to me at all. It, it, it really seemed didn't. like their defense was just getting destroyed the past two weeks, and they were just making a drastic change at the wrong spot, though. Exactly. Ex- that's exactly what I saw. I mean, it was – you know, the midseason, as uh, I was listening to Hub Arkish, who's, uh, you know – a big guy on the football scene uh, today in the afternoon. He says, a midseason switch to a rookie quarterback never, ever goes well. Like, if you're doing it because your team is tanking and uh, you need to get the guy time, that's different. That's like Jared Goff last year. But switching a guy and thinking that you're going to remain in the playoff race is just insane. Um, So... Mr. Antonio Brown, Lucia cheers for Antonio Brown, with 32.4 fantasy points on Thursday night. So a lot of us were staring at a big number all weekend. Uh, some of us on the good side, some of us on the bad side. 
Um, it was the second highest total all week, um, just behind Amari Cooper and not Michael Crabtree, as I had originally wrote. Thank you, people on Reddit, for correcting me. You can always count on Reddit to correct you, um, whether you're right or wrong. <laughs> so uh, the Steelers did put up 40 points against the Titans, and it looks like the Steelers' offense is starting to roll. Um, I was just asking Dave and uh, our buddy Mike, who joins us on the show a bunch, just last week about the Steelers' offense, where they've been. Dave, do you think that um, they're finally on track? Do you think that was an outlier last week? You know, Do you like the Steelers the rest of the season in terms of big fantasy numbers? As everyone's Steelers correspondent, I will just reiterate what I said last week, which is that... You're the resident Steelers expert. They've been doing just fine. In fact, they have uh, the second-best record in football because the Eagles are just fantastic. We care about fantasy numbers here, Dave. And... That's the thing, is that is that the Steelers don't care about fantasy numbers. They just want to win the games. However, climbing here in the last few games of the regular season, they have to continue to, to clinch that division and, in fact, uh, if they can, be the number one seed in the AFC. So they're going to come out guns blazing and they're going to continue that momentum. And I have a feeling that Bell and Brown and, 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 uh, and Ben are going to do exactly what you expected of them. The killer bees. Yep. And so, every, everybody's uh, pretty healthy on that offense. The only problem now is that Joe Hayden and some other people on the defense are uh, are falling off a little. But I'll tell you, being a Steelers fan again, uh, over the past couple of years, we've had so many injuries. This year, not so much. So it's, it's looking good for uh, Steelers offense and fantasy. Excellent. Um, so the San Diego... Sorry. The Los Angeles Chargers. You just can't. You can't do that, right? <laughs> I'd like to think that I did that on purpose, but I really didn't. Um, they outscored their entire division, fifty-four to thirty-four. So they put up fifty-four points against the Bills last week. Meanwhile, the rest of the AFC West scored thirty-four points combined. That's tragic. And they all lost. So the Chiefs are four and five now. They are one of two teams that are under five hundred and have more points scored for them than against. The Texans are the other team, and that's because of big lopsided wins with Deshaun Watson, which aren't going to happen anymore this year. Um, so I, I do think that a wild card spot is pretty tough for the Chargers to reach, but uh, the division is totally in hand. They are two games behind, but remember, it's only they got uh, five or six games left. Um, they have one more game against the Chiefs, who are in charge of the division. They have another game, I think, against uh, the Raiders as well. So they have, you know what you can say is usually their destiny and their own in control of their own destiny. Still, I think if they were to win out and be 10 and six, I think that the chargers could make the playoffs and nobody will go see them. The only people that'll be there is the guy who flies the plane, uh, with the anti Dean Spanos banners. I feel like I'm the lone chargers fan just cause I have Philip rivers and dynasty. So I'm, <laughs> I'm forced to watch the chargers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's really surprising that nobody wants to root for the chargers down in LA. Um, and, you know, at least they've got the Rams to root for, who are doing very well this year. But the Chargers have really picked up the slack after losing a bunch of close games. You know, they, they like the Niners, lost a bunch of close games, but at least the Chargers are winning now. Yeah, that's been their story a few years now. Yeah. So, um, talk about a couple guys who are 0% owned in Yahoo Leagues. Two of the top three tight ends in Week 11. Um, of course, like I said... I don't count the uh, Monday night game, and Jimmy Graham was probably number one tight end. But anyways, uh, after Sunday, two of the top three guys, Ricky Seals-Jones of Arizona and Adam Shaheen in Chicago, uh, were in the top three. And the other guy who was in the top three, um, O.J. Howard. He's only owned in 22% of leagues. Uh, so of the top ten tight ends this week, two of them were owned in over 45% of leagues. So that's going to make some crazy wave wire pickups. Obviously, there isn't a whole lot of consistency going on at the tight end position this year. Um, so, you know, that's a lot to think about while you have two more regular season games left in the fantasy season and then time to hit the playoffs. Um, you've also got four defense and special teams that are over 20 points um, this past week. Interestingly enough, so it was the Ravens, Jaguars, Eagles, and the Chargers over 20 this week. The Ravens, the Jaguars, and the Eagles have reached that mark three times this year, and all three of them hit it back in week one. Um, so, you know, there might be some kind of uh, simpatico going on there. Um, and then you got the Ravens, right? So the Ravens have three shutouts on the season and five wins, which means they are two and five if their opponent scores points against them. They're the Ravens. Yep, they're the Ravens. 
So, you know, that's last week. Um, you know, make sure you check us out every week uh, to read the statistical columns and everything else. Okay, great. So let's move on to a couple of, of kind of headline bulletins, and I'll ask you guys a couple questions from what I see are really interesting things that happen. So first, the Eagles... Down um, 9-7 to seven at halftime, scored 30 points in a row in the second half, destroyed the Cowboys, 8th straight win from the Eagles. Are there, are there any defenses that can stop the Eagles this year? I think the Vikings would have a good shot at it. But other than them, I mean, there's no dominant defense in the AFC, right? No, and it's tough. That Eagles team is just so balanced. They've got a good running attack. They've got good pass catchers. So. Sure. Uh, point, uh, are we worried about Zach Ertz? Zach Ertz had a hamstring injury that's apparently been continuing over the past couple of games. Uh, in um, uh, last game, he was two for five for eight yards, which is a pretty terrible statistic. Now, he could have gotten a touchdown. He has scored touchdowns in four of his last five, but he's averaging only 37 yards in each game. So in this time in fantasy leagues, it's really important to be starting those guys that are going to do well for you. Is Ertz a guy that you should be starting? I know he got you there, but is he a guy you should be starting? Now, I think that you should probably look for somebody else right now until he starts to turn the corner. What do you think, Jim? I think you have to start him mostly because there's probably no one else that you're going to be able to pick up. The tight end position is very scarce this year. But you're not worried at all about the fact that like he didn't really put up numbers last week? They're, uh, he has some kind of lingering injury right. that they're kind of hush about. Just the fact that he's st- still being utilized in the red zone puts him ahead of anyone that I'd grab off the waiver wire. Okay. Uh, not many people thought the Vikings would beat up on the Rams like they did, 24-7. to uh, I know that when Jason and I were talking uh, before the game started, we thought that the Rams might have a chance to win, or at the very least that the game would be close. But it looks like the Minnesota defense kept the Rams at bay when a lot of people thought that, that wouldn't happen. So let's talk about all the fantasy-relevant players on both teams and which ones might really step up. A lot of different players here that have done well in certain weeks and, and not as well in others. So Sammy Watkins. Here's a guy who was the incumbent number one on the Bills, got traded to the Rams, um, has put up numbers in some games, but not all, and he's not always included in the game plan. Now, we got Robert Woods, who has an injury, will be out for multiple weeks. Cooper Cup is really the only other guy on that offense besides um, besides our running back friend. Mr. Gurley. Mr. Gurley. So, it would seem to me that they're going to have to involve him more in the offense, right? What, what are your opinions on that? Well, they definitely have to because Robert Woods is now going to be out for a couple of weeks. So, just this past week in a game where they were down a lot of the time, uh, Robert Woods had 11 targets and Sammy Watkins only had four. I would basically expect Sammy Watkins to fill the Robert Woods role at this point. That's weird that you're even saying something like that. Cooper Cup is, (laughs) yeah, I know. Uh, Cooper Cup is, um, you know, in the slot for the most part, and he's going to stay there, uh, and he's going to get the seven to eight targets a game. But, you know, you could see Sammy Watkins with ten targets in a game coming up. I'd like to see that. How about Stefan Diggs? Um, He has been good. He, again, led people to where they are now. But it seems like Adam Thielen is the go-to guy. Kyle Rudolph's getting a lot of passes. But Diggs hasn't been uh, performing at a high level the past couple of weeks. And then he was injured before that. Jim, your thoughts on Diggs for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, Adam Thielen's just a beast. I think Diggs has to take the backseat to him. Um, I'd still start him, but i put him more as a WR3. Okay. Latavius Murray, a guy who came out and got uh, a bunch of touchdowns in, in some interesting situations. Jarek McKinnon is uh, looked at as that number one running back on the Minnesota Vikings, but it seems like that's a game-dependent, hot-hand kind of deal. So which guy do you think is the guy to own going forward, Murray or McKinnon, or do you kind of shy away from that situation? It, that one's tough. I mean, it, it, if the Vikings have a lead, Murray's obviously the guy you want to have. If they're playing from behind, McKinnon's going to get more playing time. Um, so, I, I mean, in a PPR league, i probably start McKinnon over Murray regardless. Standard scoring, I might go lean towards more Murray, though. Yep. I mean, you said it. When they're winning, they're going to use Murray. Last six games they've used, they've won all those games. They used Murray for at least 12 carries per game during that time. Coming up, they've got Detroit, Atlanta, and Carolina all on the road. I would think that would warrant a little bit more usage from McKinnon, especially because Atlanta's playing really well right now. Carolina's playing really well right Mm -hmm. now. The Detroit game, that's the Thanksgiving game. That's the first game on Thanksgiving. Detroit always plays well on Thanksgiving, at least lately. Um, So, yeah, you've got Latavius Murray, and 
I think he'll probably still be looking at 12 to 15 carries a game. Uh, so you could start him, but don't be afraid of McKinnon, especially if you're in a PPR league. And Murray does get the goal line touches, which is nice too. That offense is rolling. I mean, they're scoring doing good 20 plus points every week. They're going up to 30 like some weeks. So I, I really think that the Minnesota, you know, they look great this year. They're probably going to be the number two seed in the division. In so the conference. that's football, right? You don't know. You don't know who uh, you got to pick on that team, <laughs> right? Cheers. Mm. You're right, though, Jim. I, I need that kind of uh, Pee Wee Herman, like uh, Buzz Horn, balloons coming from the Jim ceiling sort up. of situation. You need a producer, I think. We do, we do. Um, oh, I wanted an empty glass. Maybe a really small one. That's a full bomber. All right, so the <laughs> Saints the have stumbled upon one of those all-time great running back combinations in Camara and Ingram. Um, in PPR right now, they're four and five. Um, and that's pretty amazing to have two guys up that high. It makes me think of wide receiver combinations, like when uh, Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb were both in the top five and wide receivers. Yeah, top ten. I mean, two running backs in the top ten, though. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that. Wasn't there a Steelers duo with, like Jerome Bettis and Willie Parker maybe at one point? Sure. Or? Yeah, you had Thomas Jones and uh, Jamal Charles over on the Chiefs. So yeah. this is one of those combinations. I don't know how long it'll last for. I don't even know if Ingram will be there next year, but that doesn't really matter to most of you who play in redraft leagues. The point is, will this continue for the rest of the year? I think the answer is yes. How does the emergence of this dual threat running game affect the passing game? That's a question that's interesting because a lot of people drafted Drew Brees to be a, uh, a super stud quarterback, and he's putting up numbers, but not numbers that you might have expected. He's not the number one overall quarterback by any means. He's a guy who had a great game last week, but that doesn't happen usually for the Saints now. He'll usually throw one or two touchdowns with 200, 250 yards at most because they're managing the game, they're running it well. And my question is, because of all this information, uh, the relevant fantasy players on the, as far as wide receivers on the Saints uh, have dwindled. Where it used to be all three might be relevant, now you've got Ted Ginn, who's kind of boom or bust, Willie Sneed, who's not even really involved in the game, and uh, Kobe Fleener, who is not really a playable tight end, although last week, again, he did well, but obviously his um, production is directly related to Drew Brees' volume. So is Michael Thomas the only guy besides the running backs that you want to play on an every-week basis? And and granted, Drew Brees is, is decent enough to play, but do you, do you ever feel like you could put out Ted Ginn, Willie Sneed? Are there, are there certain combinations um, or you know opponents that you would play him against, or is it too tough to tell? So you probably won't play anybody except for those guys. So I, I think a lot of it depends on the defenses they're going up against. Um, if they're playing up against a defense that likes to just stuff the box, put eight guys against the run, then I'm probably starting Ted Ginn because Breeze is going to recognize that, and they're just going to shred them in the passing game. I mean, Ginn's yeah, had good games. Ten points a game for a while. Gins having good games. He also has games where he doesn't score a ton. But yes, so that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, I, you know, I gotta say, don't worry so much about Drew Brees. He's leading the league in completion percentage on pace to break the record, which a record that's been broken like every year for a while now, which is kind of crazy. Um, but look, you know, Drew I'm not Brees, worried about Drew Brees. I know. Well, you you <laughs> expressed some concern. I thought a- well, about the passing game, the relevancy of the fantasy players and, as wide receivers. I right, think he had a game or two be, without a passing touchdown this he, season. He did exactly. He did. Um, you can't play a guy like that, year, right? You but can't he, play a guy like that in the fantasy playoffs. You can't. You can't put someone in who's not going to get a touchdown in some game. But he was getting rushing touchdowns those games. So. Oh yes, <laughs> remember Drew Brees like ran for seven yards, and they said on the broadcaster like this never happened. On one of those, yeah, one of those games he did get the <laughs> rushing touchdown. Um, but look, I mean, Drew Brees is a guy who's led the league in rush in passing yards seven times in his career. Um, he's on pace to have the lowest passing yardage. Uh, since 2009, his lowest touchdown total since 2007. So, um, you know, the one thing, if you're a Saints fan and not a fantasy football player, that you can take solace in is 2009, what did the Saints do? They won the Super Bowl. So, it's, you know. It's always better. It's sometimes a sign, I think, when of a balanced offense. It's always better for a team if the quarterback is not constantly out there stressing himself out, putting himself up there uh, for injury and, you know, exposing himself to the defense. But it's not good for your fantasy team if you have a guy who might play a game where he doesn't score a touchdown. That's all I'm saying. Do you have Drew Brees sure. starting on as quarterback in any of your leagues? Not a single one. That's, there's a I reason for that. I did not draft Drew Brees. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, the only, the only old quarterback I'll draft is Aaron Rodgers. Oh, you, you're ageist. 
Yes, very oh, much so. I see. You think yes. Rogers is old? <laughs> what well, is he? Thirty two. He's a veteran. He's like a he's like an established veteran. He's got like six years left, right? So you like starting fantasy players that you don't know if they're going to be good or not. I <laughs> in, in multiple quarterback leagues, I I like this year I drafted Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford. I guess I'm I'm Mattsist. Uh, okay. Or the, whatever the opposite of that is. Uh, Sterling Shepard has migraines, and you know the last person to have migraines in, in a football game that was kind of in a spotlight? Oh, was Percy, a wide right? receiver? Yeah, Percy Harvin. And, and what happened to Percy Harvin? Who knows what happened to Percy Harvin? He's I, gone. I'm, I'm worried about that for Sterling Shepard, because usually this comes from having a lot of uh, head trauma associated with any pre-existing conditions. Now you've got a guy who's clearly the number one receiver there who may not even play for the rest of the season. We don't know. He's not practicing right now. No idea. And that makes me uh, a, a little bit sad because you know his uh, outlook was pretty good. However, now it's just basically Evan Engram and whoever else they have there. Sure, but did anyone actually think that a wide receiver on the Giants wouldn't get injured yeah. at this point? <laughs> That's very true. But uh, I think if you have Sterling Shepard, you got to think about uh, um, you know maybe offloading him for something else at this point when you need players. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would... I, if I had to make a move, I would drop him. I wouldn't really hesitate at that at the moment. I don't know if I'd drop him yet. I mean, it's only been one week that he's had this issue. It'll he's be, not it'll be two weeks week, now. They play on Thursday night this week. He's not going to play. And they're the Giants. <laughs> they're well, the yeah. Giants. <laughs> the New England defense was terrible to start the year, and they have been improving. Now, we know that New England generally adapts and they get better as the season goes on. They're going to be a team that, that kind of gets behind it, uh, or gets in front of it, rather, uh, and changes the way that they operate. That's what's happening with Belichick. In the last four games, no quarterback has thrown for over 250 yards or more than one touchdown. So I don't think that I'm going to be playing uh, any any players that are like WR2s or RB2s versus a New England team that looks like they have a surging, renewed defense. And I would encourage you guys to look at that because if you just look at like the... Uh, the passing defense or the rushing defense of New England, you're going to see one of the worst in the league because of all the stuff that has happened cumulatively up till now. Oh, sure. But a lot of people don't take into effect things that have happened just over the past couple weeks. And it's, uh, it's, like, it's like Pittsburgh last week. They lost a couple guys and their secondary, um, you know, and we, I kind of knew that, that Mariota... had a great game last week. But Mariota still had a lot of passing yards, and they had a receiver that had like big touchdowns. That wouldn't have happened if if they still had everything they had had previously. The point is, you need to look at the things that just happened, not the things that happened from the beginning of the year. The cumulative stats are are only good to look at if nothing has changed. So for me, I'm going to shy away from playing uh, some guys against New England unless they're WR ones. I want to get your opinion on that. Um, so, Jim, what do you what do you think about New England? Do you think that that defense is something to be afraid of now? Do you think this is just kind of a fluke from the past uh, couple games? So, New England defense, they always try and take away teams' best players. So, when I'm picking like my WR three, I might play a guy like a, a third receiving option on a team just because I know New England's going to try their hardest to take away their first receiving option and then focus on the second. So there's going to be targets and room for the third receiver to get production. So you like playing the third guy. I, I do. But <laughs> I see what you're saying, though. Like they're, they're, If you have a WR2 fantasy-wise, but he's the best option on that, that team going up against New England, I might shy away from that. He's probably going to be cleared off of any fantasy production. Right. Yeah. So I guess my question to you is, of the, of the, the Patriots' next three games, are there any of the wide receivers that you would start on either Miami or Buffalo? Because those are the next three. Those are their, their next three games. Uh, this Kenny, is my point, and the answer is no. Well, actually, in my article, we'll get to it later. But Kenny Stills is a guy I like starting against New England. Interesting, and there that falls right in with your WR three, right? Uh, Jamison Crowder, one of the biggest disappointments of the year, but is now averaging 10-plus targets per game over the last three. Chris Thompson and Terrell Pryor are both out for the season. Uh, Crowder should probably suck up most of the targets here on this offense, uh, and along with whatever tight end is playing, whether that's Jordan Reed or Vernon Davis and Josh Doxson. So I think Crowder... I think you forgot about a very important player on the Redskins. His name is Jeremy Sprinkle, Dave. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> didn't forget about him. <laughs> He's going to be our new favorite player. I, well, fair enough. 
I, I think Crowder is a guy that you need now. He's going to be great for the rest of the season. That is my outlook on the guy. I also like Doxon. I'm sure I'll talk about him later. But I think that you're going to see a resurgence here in Redskins uh, offensive points. And I think they're going to come from those guys. Sure. I mean, they scored 31 points last week against the Saints, who have been playing well. So the question is, um, a lot of a lot of leagues have a trade trade deadline of uh, week 10 or 11. Some have a, a trade deadline of 12 or 13, and some don't have trade deadlines. If you're in a league that doesn't have a deadline, I would be interested in trading for Crowder, for example, because I think some people might still be kind of sleeping on him, and he's such a bad early season that he's not going to be worth as much as he should be. Um, if you look at the beginning of the year, he was he was hugely drafted by people um, to be a PPR stud, and now he's finally coming into that. So yeah. so look into that if there's any way you can grab him from the wire or from somebody else. Uh, Sean McDermott on Peterman, he and I quote, he said, there are some plays that I know he wants back. There's also some plays where you say, that was pretty gar- darn good. <laughs> so Well, he threw the ball 15 times and got picked off five. Hey, 11, so. of, those, 11 <laughs> of those were completed. So I'm not, <laughs> just, you know, about half, half of the completions the went way. to the wrong team. So I'm which, not, which were the pretty darn good ones, I guess. <laughs> I'm not saying Sean McDermott doesn't know anything about football. That's a, that's a drink, guys. Then <laughs> I opened up this new bomber. It's a uh, Pipeworks Tired Hands Maritime Law. Marilime Law. Marilime Law. Double India Pale Ale brewed with lime juice. I guess. Sure. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I do think that there's some issues there. Like Jason was talking about earlier, Peterman was benched um, in the second half, or, well, he was benched at halftime for Tyrod Taylor, when really Tyrod should never have been taken out in the first place. But he wants to make a change for himself uh, because he picked the guy, not because Tyrod Taylor is a bad quarterback. He's clearly the best quarterback on that team. So I think we're going to just we're gonna have this struggle, this kind of inner turmoil between the coach and uh, trying to do what he wants uh, for the the team to follow his direction and the coach doing what is good for the team, which is obviously keeping Taylor in there. And I think we'll see him this week. Uh, I it, think uh, the biggest problem with the Bills is something that you pointed out last week, Dave, when they got rid of um, who was the defensive lineman that they traded over to Jacksonville. He As soon as they got rid of him, it was nothing but huge games, big rushing games from all of their opponents. Uh, their problem is not on offense right now. Mm-hmm. It, it, they have a frustrating offense, but their problem is their defense. They had a really good defense to start the year, too. It's just they the did. past few weeks, they can't stop anything. Oftentimes you, you trade or get rid of a component, and then the whole castle falls apart. And that happened with Seattle. Um, that happened with uh, quite a few teams, actually, with New England. Um, so that's what happened here, too. Um any other news items or, or things we want to address from the past week, or we'll move on to uh, the waiver wire? Uh, yes, the Chicago Bears are still bad. Ah. Ah, I don't know that that was going to change in a week. Well, Chicago Bears football has always been But the Bears have signed a better kicker now, so they'll be better? I don't know. I, they, they signed the best kicker, I think. They did. Cairo Santos. What a song you picked here, Jason. Under pressure. This is for Connor Barth. <laughs> Connor Barth. And Blair Walsh. And all the kickers who missed Walsh was kicks at the end of the game. This is for all of them. Alright, well let's let's go ahead and move into uh, waiver wire strategies and insights. And uh, again I want to thank Jim for coming on to the show. We uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to uh, encapsulate this whole segment into about uh, ten to fifteen minutes. We'll see if we can do that. Uh, so, Jim, for your uh, drink five pick five, which is an article that's up on Drink Five every week, um, why don't you just go through very quickly? You know, spend uh, thirty seconds, forty five seconds on each guy, and tell us why he, you think he should be picked. Um, and in how many leagues or the percentage of, of Yahoo standard leagues he's uh, owned in? Sure. And I usually like to list guys either if I think they're a good play for the upcoming week or a good grab for the long haul. Um, first 
Not an actual guy. A whole team. Cincinnati Bengals defense, I think, is a great streaming option because this week. oh, they play against Cleveland. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Anyone who plays against Cleveland, Huzzah. yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Cleveland's giving up the second most fantasy points to teams right now. So Cincinnati is a great start. Owned in forty-one percent of leagues, so they're most likely available for you. Um, nice. Next on my list. Uh, Charles Clay tight end position I mentioned earlier is very scarce Um, Clay started out the season on fire and then got injured and he's back fully healthy Um, so I I think he's going to be like a bottom end tight end the rest of the season Um, and that's dependent on Tyrod Taylor actually starting the rest of the season which I, I think he will unless McDermott is just a crazy person, McDermott. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do too. I think Taylor will start, and uh, and I don't know if we mentioned this already, if Jason did or not, but he was, uh, I believe, and this is from memory, but in two thousand and fifteen, he I think he was the sixth highest scoring fantasy quarterback, and in two thousand sixteen, he was the eighth highest scoring quarterback. So I mean, he's been top ten. I think he's currently like number nine or something like that. So he's. He's been a good fantasy quarterback, and it's hard to see sometimes how that equates to uh, real football. Uh, cheers to that. Cheers. <laughs> but uh, but I really do think that uh, the Taylor is the guy there, at least until they draft somebody in the in the offseason. So, Clay, who else you got in the list? Uh, moving on down, Kenny Stills I mentioned earlier. Um, so tell us the reason for your love story with Stills. <laughs> Uh, well, just looking at his production, the past six weeks, he's been targeted 43 times, caught 30 balls, 474 yards, four touchdowns. That's like WR2, That's WR1, WR1 numbers, numbers yeah. over has the past been, six weeks. Has that been mostly consistent, or is that kind of up and down numbers? Uh, a lot of the yardage came, I think, last week. He has one down game during that stretch. Okay. But yes, 180 yards yeah, last week. Yeah, a lot of the yards came from last week. But uh, I think he's got one touchdown in four of the six games. He had a two touchdown oh, game two? back in week seven, uh, one touchdown in week six against Atlanta when he started being used a lot more. Um, question is, is Jay Cutler going to start? I don't know if it matters. Matt Moore was the one tossing him the ball last Matt Moore week. is one of the best relief quarterbacks I've seen. He's only good when he comes but in. He's only something. good when he comes in. <laughs> when he starts, he's the worst quarterback. So you just start, Jay Cutler the, in. start the water boy for the first quarter and then bring Matt Moore. <laughs> I think you're right. you got to get Cutler out before he throws his second pick and then go with Matt Moore. Well, the good thing about uh, about Cutler's injury was that it was, it was a slight concussion. It wasn't like an ankle or a knee or a leg. So he may come back this week. We'll, we'll see for news tomorrow, always uh, Wednesday, check up on injury reports. And still is owned in 38% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, moving down, Devontae Booker owned in 8% of leagues. This guy kind of came out of nowhere last week. It was, at least was a surprise for me, but he split carries with C.J. Anderson and outproduced Anderson last week. Um, so I, I, Denver just seems like they're scrambling to get something on offense right now. So I think if... Booker has a good game. He may just run away with the with the job the rest of the season. For me, every single year, it's like we have C.J. Anderson, but we don't really want to use him. There's somebody well, else. They've please. got a lot of change going Let on. Let us right please now. have someone else. It, it sounds like they're <laughs> going to start Paxton Lynch, which will be made official tomorrow. Did they fire their offensive coordinator as well in Denver? They did. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they've this, got a Pagano. Now. Is Booker like what you were saying earlier, where? A guy who you're going to hold instead of a guy who you're going to uh, pick up and play this week? Yeah, he'd be someone I would hold. I wouldn't start him this week, but okay. I, I would like to see what happens this week. And If you are not don't have a playoff spot secured, he's probably not a guy you want to grab. But if you're on your way into the playoffs, you have a week or two to If you're on your in, on. way into the playoffs, two names, uh, which seem obvious as hell, but Aaron Rodgers and David Johnson, grab them. If you're already making it into the playoffs... Yeah, I think most people have have already scooped them up in leagues that are competitive. I was amazed that last week I could grab Aaron Rodgers like everywhere. So just take a look is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean you got to look at their matchups and everything too. But I agree with you. If if, if those guys are going to start, then... those two guys are matchup proof if they're healthy. If they're healthy, I yeah. just don't like starting people that come back from injuries. But in those cases, I agree with you. Those are those are super studs. We had a you problem like this me, year. Dave. We had a problem this year um, that was that was really prevalent. Which means uh, I think there were three, I think there were three, four of the top ten draft picks in most leagues that were injured. 
being uh, Aaron Rodgers, Odell Beckham Jr., David Johnson, and uh, who's the other guy we just mentioned? Aaron Rodgers. Ezekiel Elliott. So those those guys... He's injured in the brain. <laughs> well, not concussion style. Well, those four guys that are like first-round talent that were all injured uh, or suspended. I don't know if Elliott was a first-round pick. I, I owned him. He's first-round talent. He's, he, well, yes, yeah. he's first-round talent. He was not first-round pick Elliot, because of the him suspension. Elliott was a first-round pick in those leagues where that was before the suspension oh, years. Okay. Yes. But you're, you're both... We're all right. Um, Everybody's right. Did you have a, a last guy or was that the last one? Last guy on the list, Samaji P. Ryan. So Chris Thompson went down. He's out for the year. Rob Kelly is already out for the year. Uh, yeah, I think P. Ryan. I will say football for Chris Thompson. Uh, <laughs> to Chris Thompson. But yeah, I expect P. Ryan to be at least a volume RB2 the rest of the season. Uh, apparently, people weren't listening to us because we were telling them. You you were as well. Last week and the week before, pick up Samaja Pirine. As soon as Rob Kelly got hurt, still only owned in 35% of leagues kind of surprises me. I think I've had a lot of conversations about this, and we talked about this at length at one point, one of these podcasts, about how uh, how the, the coach of the team, um, he, he's just so intense about fumbles that it gets into people's heads, and, and people that were, were formerly uh, players on his teams uh, say the same thing that he's just so intense that it gets in your head to the point where you're dreaming about fumbling, like you're walking down the street and you think you fumbled, like. <laughs> and and P Ryan was was really good in college, um, and he, there's no reason why he shouldn't be the number one running back there. But every time they tried to play him, he would fumble the ball, and now he gets that um, he gets that job because there's nobody else to have it. Right. But he really did prove himself last week. And I think as long as he can maintain the coach's good graces, which who knows how long that is, right? But yeah. uh, as long as he continues to not fumble the ball, protect the ball, etc., he's going to be a guy who is an RB, RB1, RB2 every week. And that's fantastic because you know the Redskins will run the ball. He had 23 carries last week. Uh, a couple of the pickups I wanted to suggest to the group. Uh, the New England defense is owned in 59% of leagues, but I think that may be a lot of dead leagues. Uh, they have Miami, Buffalo, and Miami coming up. That's a good three-game stretch. They've been playing better lately, as we said. And also check out J.D. McKissick. Um, the Seahawks are a negative number of running backs at this point, um, so anybody on that team is going to probably see some action. Um, and then you got McKissick, who, especially in the PPR league, is going to be valuable. He's only owned in 9% of Yahoo leagues. And he's going to probably be the starting running back. I can get behind New England, but I can't get behind McKissick. I think he's flavor of the week, Seattle running back. It's not going to happen. The flavor this week is San Francisco, so start him. (laughs) I don't know. I don't trust any running back on Seattle. I think they're just going to – it'll be Lacey running the ball a bunch again or something. But it – it doesn't matter. All that matters is Russell Wilson. Like he's going to be the leading rusher for Seattle forever. It'll be three random guys getting five carries, and then Russell Wilson. Just but you have a team. point uh, to Jason's point. Like if you need somebody uh, to be filling in, if you have deep rosters, or if you don't have any running backs to play in a PPR league, this guy is going to get some passes. So yeah, that, I could see in PPR league playing him. That's not a bad um, pick. I don't know, Josh Gordon. See. He's coming back soon, right? He started practicing this week. I think he can start playing in a couple weeks. In week 13. Okay. Uh, Danny Amendola is only owned in 50% of leagues. They used him a bunch this week. Nine targets, eight catches for 66 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Not bad. He'll probably, you know, as long as Chris Hogan's gone, he'll probably be the guy that uh, Brady goes to. Who? Danny Amendola. Who's who's Danny Amendola? (laughs) Danny Amendola. Well, he had one big week, so you probably won't see him for another five weeks, and then he'll have a big week. <laughs> New England likes to do that too. It, well, especially with their running backs. Yeah, sure. So uh, let's let's touch on Case Keenum as someone who could be a good rest of season quarterback. Uh, a lot of people have quarterbacks right now that they don't fully trust or schedules that they don't like. One of the things that uh, are, are good for strategies for rest of season, you were sitting here in uh, heading into week 12, is if you're a team that's going to go into the playoffs, you might want to grab another quarterback, another defense, and match them up so that when you have a bad matchup, you have someone else to play ahead of time without having to worry about picking someone up that week or what order you are on the waiver wire or how many uh, auction dollars you have left. 
So Case Keenum is a guy that I would grab to have on the team if he's not owned because he's been doing very well. And I agree with that. I'm in a league where I had Aaron Rodgers, then I had Carson Palmer, and now I have Case Keenum. <laughs> well, it seems to be <laughs> working. Sean Watson along the well. way. <laughs> no, I had him in a separate league, too. Um, you had to watch the game to see this one, but Danny Woodhead, who just came back from IR, uh, he's on Baltimore, and he is go. He's taking uh, Buck Allen out of the game. He's replacing him, but in this game, he only had 13 snaps. Now, a lot of that has to do with uh, how the game worked. But pay attention to these statistics: 13 snaps. Out of 13 snaps, he caught five out of six targets, two that were in the red zone, and had one carry. So basically, out of 13 snaps, he was active and had the ball in six of them. And the target that he missed was like, he was incredibly well covered. It was like one of those plays where they just chug it to the end zone and everybody falls over. Yeah, and I, I love Woodhead. I know in, in my little tiny Danny Woodhead heart of hearts that uh, that he's going to be the guy there that, you know, Alex Collins and Terrence Collins had West. had a great game this week, though. He had an okay game. But you know what? It was another Ravens shutout. So unless the Ravens are going to keep shutting people out, they're probably going to lose and they'll need to lean on their passing game a little bit more, which is good for Danny Woodhead. Well, Buck Allen had a, a, a ton of production, so much so that he was playable in most leagues, especially PPR leagues. Woodhead will start taking over uh, the carries from Alex Collins because he's a better running back. Not a between-the-tackles running back, but he has always been really good every single year that he's played, and there's no reason why the Baltimore offense would be different. So, so I, they host the Texans this week. Um, a decent matchup, I would say. Texans are good against short yardage running backs. So what does that mean to me? They're going to pass the ball to Danny Woodhead in the flat. That's mm-hmm. what I think. Uh, Josh Doxson just put up four for 81 yards. We talked earlier about the competition for his downfield targets dissipating as Terrell Pryor is out for the whole season. Um, and there's some combination of uh, like a Frankenstein of Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis, whatever that kind of giant tight end monster Do is. Do not forget Jeremy Sprinkle, Dave. Stop talking about Jeremy Sprinkle. <laughs> he caught a touchdown. <laughs> it's a... Sleeper pick of the week. <laughs> you can play Jeremy Sprinkle on your team. I'm good. <laughs> um, but I like Doxson, and we talked about him pretty much the whole year that he was going to break out in that position. I still think that this is we're in the middle of that happening. And talking about guys who are due to break out, Corey Davis, who a lot of people have on their bench because they're, they were holding him, he's still getting a ton of snaps and targets every game. Now, they played Pittsburgh last week, who has a pretty good passing defense. I thought that Corey Davis would be the guy that breaks out, but it was Richard Matthews who had the uh, the burn touchdown and all that kind of stuff on, yeah. on that game. You, you called the long touchdown. However, there's no reason why Corey Davis won't be doing well. Uh, he hasn't turned his snaps and targets into fantasy points yet. He can't catch the ball yet? I don't know. <laughs> but looking at his upcoming schedule, he plays the Colts, Texans, Cardinals, and 49ers. And so I don't think there's a better schedule for a wide receiver one in all of football. Oh, Indy, Houston, and Arizona. Yeah, that's pretty good. And so I am going to suggest that uh, this guy gets started and start him before he produces because he will produce this week. Versus the Colts. I just I don't I, know if I'm starting. Him I want to see I'm him probably, catch the ball more. Yeah, I'm waiting to see him actually have a good game before I can. That's fine, guys. Forty-five point seven percent, you know, catch percentage. A lot of those passes were not directly to him. They were under pressure. They were over his head, etc. If you look at the tape, it's a different story from the stats, and that happens a lot. But what you want to see is a guy who's the WR one for his team who gets all the targets. That's Corey Davis. That team doesn't really throw the ball that much either, right? Um, they throw well, it to Corey Davis. Mariota. <laughs> Mariota. Mariota. Oh, wow, Corey Davis from Wheaton Warrenville here in Illinois. That's right. He's from Two Brothers Brewery. That's where Corey Davis <laughs> That's, is from. Yeah, right he next to, the I think, Fermilab. I think you were right about that. <laughs> um, so the last three weeks, Mariota has uh, thrown the ball at least 32 times a week. Uh, one week it was 28. But other than that, he's throwing the ball a lot. Uh, but it's because I think they're down a lot. Although they did win a bunch of those games. You know... It's a tough call. I, I do think that they should throw the ball more to have more success. Um, the way that that team is currently running their offense, it's very stagnant, sort of like ineffective running game. Yeah. And that, like, I, I like reading uh, the subreddits for That's all the because different they're teams. not playing Derrick Henry. I was reading exactly. I was reading a bunch about the Titans this week, uh, who try to do the memes really well, but nobody can touch the Detroit Lions subreddit. <laughs> uh, but anyways. Uh, really, you know, 
the the running game is a problem there because they're using it ineffectively. They have good running backs and they have a great quarterback. Um, clearly, I think the winner of the draft when they had uh, when Mariota and Winston came out is going to be Winston. Or, I'm sorry, it's going to be Mariota. But um, they need to throw the ball more. They need to throw the ball more, and they need to run the ball more effectively with the right people. You know, Demarco Murray might be more of a short yardage back at this point in his career. Corey Davis is a rookie that just started playing that I think is uh, is due for breakout games and and I think that DeMarco Murray is ruining that team. I I I totally get that you know that's where you're at at Corey Davis but I feel like I've heard that the last couple of weeks. You have because he's a rookie and it takes time for them to develop the system and they're playing against good teams with passing defenses and I don't think they are anymore. I think they're going up against teams where they're going to uh, have the ability to throw that ball. Uh-huh. All right, so this week would be the week. Mariota has good career stats against tennis. Which is why I'm Indian. starting Corey Davis. Now, you guys can do that if you want or, or not. That's I hope he's in your over-under, so you go over and we go under. <laughs> <laughs> it worked so well for you last week. Oh, so uh, before we move on to over-under, strategies for defense and quarterback. Like I mentioned earlier, taking multiples in those two positions, at the end of the year, you don't really need to have like backups for all of your you know, handcuffs for all of your guys. You're going to win or you're not going to win. You're not going to win because you have... Um, because you have some backup guy who's backing up Doug Martin. like That's not how you're going to win a fantasy championship. You're going to win because you have the ability to swap out guys to play the matchups at the end of the year. And so for you guys, let me hear what your strategies are for the end of the year, rest of season pickups on the waiver wire. So I definitely pick up multiple defenses going into the playoffs. Right. Unless I have a defense that just has a great matchup after a great matchup after a great matchup. Um, but I'll sacrifice throwing away two positional players to hold three defenses if I think I'm playing. You're not going to play your bottom of the barrel wide receivers anyway. Yeah, exactly. And if you lose your WR, yeah, they're not going to bring you to the. And if you lose your WR one, you're not going to win anyway. Yeah, Yeah. it's a different ball game when you're in the playoffs versus the long haul, the regular season. It is because you've got the four or the six teams that are the best out of the league, and if you don't have the best to put up against them, you're not going to win. So I love playing those matchups. Do you guys feel like there's any really good uh, defenses that people are sleeping on for one good matchup or a quarterback that you could pick up? Like I like Case Keenum, for example. Uh, still available in a lot of leagues, but has some good matchups going forward. Anybody like that you could recommend? I think the defenses that I mentioned earlier uh, are good pickups. The Eagles, um, the Jaguars obviously aren't going to be much of a pickup right, right. now. Um, and then the Ravens, you know, those are all great defenses to keep you can't, through the playoffs. You can't pick up those guys, though. The Eagles are available in two of my three Yahoo leagues right now. Really? And uh, I don't Who? think that the Ravens are, like, you know, pe- people are riding the, the teams that they're on. They look at the matchups. They don't necessarily go with them. I would think the Ravens are available, I mean, in, like, nothing. No leagues. Uh, certainly the Jaguars uh, out of those three teams. But other than that, the other two teams were, you know, they're worth looking into. Huh. I know I've been holding on the Denver Broncos. They have a good matchup for the the playoff schedule. Broncos. Suck, they need Jim. to bring a good defense with them <laughs> for that matchup. Unfortunately, doesn't matter when you play against the Jets and whoever else they're well, playing. The Jets are good this year now. All of a sudden, what can we do? Uh, this is Sparta. This is football. Yeah, this is football. Cheers, everybody. Oh no no Pass no! The cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Ooh, the turkey looks great. Thank you for loving me. Glenn. Thank you for being there. Please. Thank you for loving me. Oh, God. Everyone's thanking. The whole Glenn. world's thanking you. Stop. Thanking Glenn. Stop. us for thanking you. Glenn. Kill the turkey. Glenn. All right, guys. Let's uh, Let's fill up those, uh, those little tiny pint glasses for one more round. <laughs> I think we can make that happen. That's right. For those of you even tinier pint glasses around. For those of you listening, the uh, the tiny pint glasses are shot glasses. What can we do? Uh, there are about two tablespoons uh, full of uh, some kind of scotch. So, cheers to you guys who have listened so far. We have uh, some interesting stuff heading forward here. That is the over under that we do every week. And Jason will uh, report on what happened this past week. Do I the, have to? Of course you do. <laughs> we do it every week. You, you're going to insist on weeks when you go 4-0, and aren't you? It's a historical analysis. Oh, okay. All right. Congrats, by the way. <laughs> so last week, uh, Dave, as I said, went 4-0. and So he had the under on Jared Goff's 18 points. He only scored 9.8. Uh, he had the under on Kareem Hunt's 14 points. He only scored 7.7. 7. 
We had the over on Adam Thielen, who put up 18.3. We had set our line at 10. And he went over on Jimmy Graham, who had a line of 8 and scored 13.8 last night with a touchdown and a two-point conversion and, like, 57 yards. That's a square, so, a square win. The only right thing there. you didn't get was the Drew Brees passing yards. I didn't get the tiebreaker? No. Oh, nuts. You don't need a tiebreaker <laughs> when you go 4-0, though. So Mike and I will be uh, purchasing a board game for you, Dave. I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And like I said, you guys make sure to you uh, make sure to, to purchase a game that you'll also enjoy playing. Of course, so, unless we're gonna like buy a game to razz you and nobody plays it. <laughs> well, that's fine too. So this particular week, we're gonna do an over under, uh, a little bit of analysis, and the way that I like to do this is that we're gonna we're gonna talk about a player. Uh, we're gonna go around, and you're gonna start, Jim. So I'm gonna talk about the player each time, uh, and then. Every time it goes around, it goes to the next person around clockwise to start. If everybody says over, it goes up by one. If everyone says under, it goes down by one until we decide on a number, and that's how it works. Uh, the tiebreaker here is going to be the total amount of interceptions thrown by NFC quarterbacks in Week 12. I'm going to give us a little time to think about that, and we're, we're all due to have that answer sent to uh, third party, which is Jessica, uh, by the start of the games on Thursday. And then she will uh, give me those numbers We should numbers do later. like we did last week. Sorry? We just all say it at the same time. Well, I need some time to think about that. That's that's a little bit more uh, uh, difficult than, than passing yards by you, Drew Brees. Are you really going to like look at all the quarterbacks? Like, I think he'll throw one, he'll throw two, he'll throw one. Yes. Uh, then you should think of an easier tiebreaker. Well, I've already thought of this one, so nuts <laughs> to that as well. Uh, Over-under analysis and bets? We are going to bet on uh, on December 9th. We all happen to be together. And so the the person who wins this bet uh, gets to decide on two kinds of bombers, and those need to be brought to him by the losers. Now, uh, I'm going to set a like, maximum amount of money on those bombers. Like two bombers from each loser or one no, bomber? No, one each. Okay. I'm going to set a maximum amount of money for the bombers that they decide on, uh, $15 per bomber. There are some... There are I, some, I wrote 15 like, as you were saying. There are some good bombers out there, so um, you know, we'll figure that out. And I the, was looking for a uh, sour to buy tonight, and the only bomber sour that I could get was $28. Exactly. There, a lot so of them I'm like, really you expensive. know what? I don't want that one. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> so let's start. Um, Oakland has one of the worst defenses in the league against the pass, and the next quarterback up against Oakland is Paxton Lynch from Denver. Now, Roto World says that they haven't decided that he's going to be the starter, but he's going to be the starter. So Lynch's NFL career has only included three games in 2016. Um, he does have the makings of a fantasy-relevant quarterback. He's a guy who is mobile. He's a guy who has the pedigree from college. Against a team like Oakland right now, who everyone is scoring against, will he pull a Peterman and go full negative? Or could he be a surprise late-season pickup that puts up good numbers and perhaps takes you into the playoffs with a guy like that if you picked him up? In the two-quarterback league, I think he's going to get picked up and played or at least put on the bench. So I like these wild cards that happen at the end of the season. A guy like Paxton Lynch with another full year of, uh, of reading the playbook and, and going through practice, he could certainly be bad, but he might be good. Uh, I'm going to set the line at, and this is approximate statistics, 200 yards, one touchdown, and 20 rushing yards, which is 14 points in a standard scoring league. So 14 points to Jim. Tell me a little bit about what you think of Paxton Lynch and whether or not you're going to go over or under. Um, I think nothing of Paxton Lynch, and <laughs> I will go under. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I'm still not convinced that they're going to actually start him. I think it may be um, some, you know, tomfoolery. Uh, I, I know that they want to start him, but I I think right now Brock Osweiler might be better. Mm-hmm. I don't like Paxton Lynch at all. I would not suggest picking him up. I would uh, go under on that. Okay, I totally disagree. I think he will be the starter, but we'll find out, right? Uh, under, bringing it to 13 points, back to Jim. Uh, I'll just keep going under. Yeah, under. Under to 12 points, Jim. Uh, I'll go over 12. <laughs> I'm staying under. I'll go over 12. 
All right, P. Ryan, who we talked about earlier, had fumbling issues this year, but he is now the number one guy in Washington. Last week, he did rush 23 times for 117 yards and a touchdown, also a nine-yard catch, uh, one catch he couldn't quite uh, bring in. Um, going up against the Giants this week. I do week, have a question. What happens if he doesn't actually play? Do I just get the under? Well, we'll figure that out. I'd say yes. You just get it. <laughs> we'll talk about that off the broadcast, yes? So, uh, going up against the Giants this week, can he continue to be a successful uh, running back and score at least 12 points in a standard scoring league? So, that's on Jason, 12 points, standard scoring, P. Ryan. Samaji P. Ryan. So, I mean, there's no one else really in Washington to run the ball anymore. Um, the Giants against running backs, they can't be that good, right? Uh, they've given up the most points against the quarterbacks. Uh, they've given up the ninth most points to opposing running backs. i got to go over on the... And I'm over. On that total. Also over. That's 13 to Jason? Uh, I'll go over again on 13. I guess I'll go under on 13. I'll go over. Okay. Danny Woodhead played efficiently. We talked about him earlier, but only was in a very small amount of snaps last week. Will he be more involved in the game against Houston this week? Will he score at least six points in a standard scoring league? Six points against Houston. That's on me. I'm going to say yes. Danny Woodhead over. I'll go under. Let me get some analysis from oh, you guys, Oh, I wanted too. to push that line. I, if it was PPR, I'd probably go over. But I, I don't see him finding the end zone, and I think he'll probably have 40 to 50 yards, so... Yeah, um, I mean, that line is really low, and I still, uh, like, I don't think he's going to do well. I wouldn't want to start him, but I feel like over six is, uh, no, I'm going to go under on Danny Woodhead still. I think you guys are nutty bars. (laughs) Elshon Jeffrey plays his old team, the Chicago Bears, this week. He has been on a touchdown scoring streak for the last three games. He scored four touchdowns over the last three. His involvement in the Eagles passing game has been really nice to see. It looks like uh, Stephanie over here has an Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, But can he pick up the pace and and keep it up in this game against his former team? So we're looking for 12 points or more in a standard scoring league for Alshon Jeffrey to keep up his pace um, in fantasy. And it looks like that is Jim to start again. So 12 points, standard scoring league, Alshon Jeffrey against the Bears. I like the revenge game. I think they'll get him a touchdown, so I'm going to go over. <laughs> the revenge game. What does he have to revenge? He, you know, they did him a favor by moving him over to Philly. <laughs> it's the thank you game is what it is. <laughs> um, so the Bears against wide receivers. Kyle Fuller has been playing very well lately. Um, Bears cornerback, and he usually is matched up against the number one guy. Um, but he did give up some points to Devontae Adams and Marvin Jones. Um, so I, I got to go over with uh, him. You know, they're at home. They're going to roll over the Bears. It's going to be a big scoring game. Okay, I'll go over. That's 13 points to Jim. Uh, I think I'll stay over. Yeah, I'll stay over with 13. Over, that's 14 points to Jim. I'll go under. I'll go under as well. I'll go over. Let's big Alshon Jeffrey it, shall we? Um, and uh, that is all I have for this particular broadcast. Let's uh, go ahead and cheers, gentlemen, to our tiny pint classes. Tiebreakers. We're like very small uh, Scottish people at this time. <laughs> cheers.
So please remember to check out drink5.com for all of the latest articles every single week. And uh, see our podcast on stitcher.com or itunes.com where you can find us at Drink5 or Drink5 Network. See you guys later. Bye-bye.